Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's not a bad ball for Pelle on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. And what a great goal that was. Carlos Alberto. Maradona just walked away from Hoddle then. Maradona. joined on the podcast this week by uh, Tom from DNQ Did Not Qualify Football on YouTube. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nice yeah, I got you here. on because I, I wanted to talk a bit about the, the big football story of the week, which is, of course, the Osinia, uh mm-hmm. qualifiers. No no Champions League. You know, this is, this is the big story. But I wanted to, uh, before we kind of get into that, maybe you want to briefly introduce yourself and also like what you do, what is DNQ football and uh, what do people go to your channel for? Yeah, well, yeah, as I said, you know, th- <laughs> thanks so much for for kind of having me on. It's um, it's it's a bit of a kind of whirlwind one. I'm I'm here in Doha at the moment, which is where the, like you say, the Oceania uh, World Cup qualifiers are taking place. Um, it's kind of New Zealand and the rest, as most people will sort of know it as as a tournament. Um, but yeah, probably about six seven months ago, uh, me and my me and my brother actually started. Uh, dnq football does not qualify as you've said which is really just a, a youtube channel just 100 percent dedicated to kind of what we call like minnow nations so sides sides that most people maybe haven't heard of or have only heard of in the capacity that they're 
not necessarily successful on the international mm. scale. Obviously, did not qualify. We, we came up with the name because it was, you know, what we're talking about. Ultimately, teams that have never qualified for their tournaments. You know, AFCON, the Euros, the, obviously the big one, the World Cup. Um, and this, this kind of primarily centres around teams outside of the top 100 or so in the FIFA World Ranking. So, so I'm out here in Doha for the Oceania qualifiers because no teams from this region are in the top 100. And as I'm sure we'll get on to, yeah. one of the teams was even unranked. Yeah. But um, but yeah, excited to excited to chat things through with you, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you if a team does break into say like one of these big teams that it, you know that you've covered, maybe India or something like this, and they break mm. into a top 100, do you have to decide that you're going to no longer? Uh, cover them or have you not is that a bridge that you cross when you come well, to it? <laughs> we're sort of having to half cross it now because uh, a few months ago probably at the turn of the year I did a, I did a, just a very short video on uh, on Gambia the head of the AFCON and yeah. it was just and it was just Gambia the lowest ranked team at AFCON and it was just, you mm. know just a short video we're not the biggest YouTube channel in the world you know so I just I put it out there I thought it was a yeah. cool thing they were 150th in the world and they got to the quarterfinals of AFCON which meant that we got we most of our fan base is now from the Gambia or from like, <laughs> originally has heritage in Gambia, and and now it's getting difficult. They're still outside the top 100. They're one two five now, but it is difficult because technically they did qualify. So it kind of goes against the name of the yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of, I think we have to kind of play it off because equally we look at New Zealand and they're not really a team that we cover much because mm-hmm. for, for us they're almost too good but yeah. it's it's a really difficult one you kind of have to kind of go off feel like everyone knows about New Zealand I listened to one of your shows recently we were talking about the 2010 World Cup you know and New Zealand being unbeaten and that people have seen this side people know about this side everyone knows Chris Wood Winston Reed so you kind of just have to play it by ear a little bit mm. um, but hope in a weird way we hope that these teams do kind of fall outside the remit of us yeah. being able to talk about them because that means that things are heading in the right direction and on this show we've basically uh, become American Samoa ultras by a very uh, which is why I'm rocking the the, the American Samoan t- t- today because from a very sort of circumnavigational uh, route in that we watched the um, Next Goal Wins documentary. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it mm-hmm. and uh, sort of like fell in love with the team. And then we got Nikki Salapu, the goalkeeper from the American Samoan team. And, you know, he was kind of famous for the being in goal when Australia scored 31 goals to yeah. come on the podcast yeah. and uh, talk about his story and stuff like this. And I mean, I think it's a fascinating part of the football world in that i mean for one thing these countries play like three countries every three games every like four years yeah. or something basically yeah. and, and but um american samoa and samoa they're not in this tournament right because they're not i mean there's a lot of withdrawals with COVID and everything right it's just it's a really really difficult one so there's 11 fifa teams in the region um only eight of them came to doha to compete so the three missing out like you said american samoa samoa uh, and the other one, which was due to play but had to drop out, was Tonga because of their um, the natural disasters that kind of happened in that region. So they couldn't play, which is a real, real shame because I'm actually a bit of a Tonga fanboy um, okay. just from like old school, like World Cup games, you know, like FIFA World okay. Cup games. Um, did so you play was... the Did you play the 2010 one where you sort of tried to chat, yeah. try and win the World Cup with San Marino one? Exactly that one, <laughs> and you could that that was that's my favorite game ever because you could just flick the right analog stick and move around the globe. And I remember it was teams. amazing. I was like, why why yeah, did none yeah. of the other like it had, like it literally did have every single yeah. nation in the world. It did. So that's kind of where we where we originally like 
didn't we didn't come up with the idea all the way back then but but we fell in love with these teams back then and and like you say you know players like Salapu and things like that like these these people who are are just normal people that live in these crazy places and have jobs and you you know even at this tournament now all this all this time later 2022 a lot of the players for these teams are part-time they play they're they're fishermen you know they work at their local shops and things like that there's very few that are even semi-pro so it's it's amazing, really, and and yeah, I was I was disappointed to to not see Tonga, obviously understandable reasons, and disappointed as well for American Samoa and Samoa, but just because of COVID stuff, and they couldn't they couldn't go, um, and that's the reason why the tournament's here in Doha as well, because that no country in the region was willing to host it because of COVID. Okay. Um, obviously, we'll get onto why that's kind of ironic, I'm sure, um, because of because of everything that's happened here so far. But yeah, so eight of the eleven. Um, split into split into two groups and playing the most games that they've like you say played since the last World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And I mean, obviously, it's a shame. I think that it's not taking place uh, in the region. I mean, where it's uh, originally normally played and so this, but also it kind of gives the opportunity for these teams to play in these state of the art. They're basically the World Cup stadiums, right? Like these these stadiums which these players would never get the opportunity to play at. I mean, there. I think one one of them's a World Cup stadium, and the other one is probably as close to um, as, okay. as it can be. These are plush, plush stadiums, and and the quality of pitch is. I had to actually ask one of the guys from the OFC. I was like, "Is that is that astroturf or is that actual grass?" Because it was just mm. so pristine. Um, and I mean, these players are not used to playing on this kind of quality surface at all. You know, in in their home regions. They kind of lost a little bit the advantage that they had over New Zealand in the. I was yeah, you know, I was going to say get New, New Zealand, Zealand on a bug field, a field. <laughs> exactly. Uh, whereas here, here it hasn't been like that. So quality is just shining through, and and some of the teams are a lot better than others. Even though you might not sort of think it, the technical ability between different sides has been kind of really, really interesting to see. But it's it, they they've got no leveler now against New Zealand, especially with Chris Wood and everyone turning up now. Okay. Uh, so, so I presume this, the games are all, from what I've seen, the games are all taking place and uh, there's no crowds or anything, right? Does that yeah, make it feel yeah. weird when you're, when you're there? Uh, I, I'm not really sure. It's, it's so, uh, at times I'm just so in awe of the fact that I'm in Doha watching these yeah, teams yeah. From, from all the way around the world. But I, I think that, I think that there is an element to it that really the atmosphere is made by the benches and, and the representatives okay. from these yeah, teams yeah. like like the Fiji Fiji New Caledonia game at points you wouldn't know there was no crowd because the benches from both teams and the kind of delegates from, from mm. those nations that yeah, the I was watching was one of the highlights of, of, of the New Zealand game and you can hear I yeah. mean, the, the, the bench what, something that you kind of got used to in COVID is you can pick up on the players swearing and stuff yeah, at each other yeah. and definitely hear that again and I think that that's maybe made me kind of more accustomed to it, you know, watching yeah. the Premier League and things like that with no crowd. You just kind of do get a bit more used to it. But I think for me, there's such a focus really on like the quality of, of teams that we're seeing and actually, you know, how how good are they? Because you watch a highlights reel and it skews the vision slightly of how the teams actually get on. And it's it's been an incredible tournament. I mean, the COVID has hit big time. Um, a couple of teams and, and has kind of ruined Group A. So yeah. Group A was supposed to be uh, the Solomon Islands, Tahiti, Vanuatu and the Cook Islands. But both mm-hmm. Vanuatu and the Cook Islands have had to pull out because they're both, the full squad has got COVID. Um, 
So, and where would they have been? Would, would, would Vanuatu have been looking to get out of the group? Because I know Cook Islands were a complete unknown because yeah. they're, you know, they don't even have a world ranking. But what about Vanuatu? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Cook Islands, they managed to get their first game in against the Solomons and lost 2-0, which they were celebrating as almost like a win um, mm -hmm. because, you know, they haven't played since 2015, actually, with Cook Islands. Um, Vanuatu would have definitely looked to get out of that group. Definitely looked to get out of that group. They'd have probably eyed up Tahiti as the side they'd have pipped to it. They've got some players that play for, for that region at a good level in like the New Zealand leagues. Mm -hmm. um, so they would have definitely been looking and they didn't even get to play a game so they've travelled okay. all the way here and oh, they didn't it's... even get to kick a ball in the end So, but it's interesting <laughs> because they did play a pre-tournament friendly against Fiji and lost 3-0 yeah. so I don't know, it's, it's strange you always think on paper these sides should progress but some of the club players and individuals don't quite perform at the same level when they're around yeah. everyone else just yeah, thinking think the, cl the climate is weeping at this tournament. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, obviously with the COVID stuff's kind of killed Group A and, and yeah. now there's only two teams left and t only two teams go through. Um, so they play each other. So they're still tomorrow. playing the match, are they? Okay, they're playing tomorrow. Yeah, I, I was... I, it's really difficult because essentially they will both go through to the quarter... Uh, they'll both go through to the semi-final. This yeah. is almost like a quarter-final, but they'll both go through. Um, and effectively... The winner just avoids New Zealand uh, in the semi-final, and then yeah. we'll obviously look to meet them in the final. So it is an important game for FIFA World Rankings, for confidence, just for you know playing more games as a squad. But equally, with everything COVID, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if OFC had have just just sort of sacked off that game and just thought, you know what, let's just make sure protect the players and get through to the semi-finals. And I think the only reason why they haven't done that is obviously because it would be a difficult decision about who goes through top. But secondly, because Tahiti haven't played a game yet. Yeah, so it would look very odd for a team to play, yeah. a team which has played, you know, three group games already and whatever, wear and tear with that. And then their first yeah. game is in the in the semis. But how, how have New Zealand... I... Oh, sorry, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that's, that's why it's difficult, though, for the teams in Group B, because Papua New Guinea or Fiji is going to go home, but they'd have played three games. Tahiti will play one. And they could lose 10-0 and they'll still get through to the semi-final. So yeah. it is it is quite a difficult one from that stance. And how have how New Zealand looked? Because I, I mean, they only won the first game against Papua New Guinea with a relatively late goal. But I mean, mm. their sort of issue has been, from what I've read, it's basically their squad, because it's taking place, it started outside the international window. Their squad is kind of coming in stages. Yeah, so they've, uh, I think today was the last day that they turned up, actually, at the last few players. So... They were expecting to not have Chris Wood until until today, but um, Newcastle released him slightly early. I think, you know, the way that Newcastle have been playing, they probably didn't need him. Mm. Um, no, just, no disrespect to Chris Wood. But um, th their first game against Papua New Guinea was always going to be the, the only game where I really thought there could be an upset here because it was the weakest possible New Zealand side against a fresh and hungry Papua New Guinea. And, yeah. and Papua New Guinea are... It's difficult to say at this point they could lose their next game and go home, but they're probably, from what I've seen, the second best side. They're probably okay. the side that's going to look to get to the final. So they've got a centre-back, Alwyn Comalong, who, in fact, both centre-backs, the, the Comalong brothers, they both grew up and played most of their youth football in Germany. And you mm -hmm. can just tell that they've just got that little bit more discipline to their yeah. game. They're a little bit more cultured. And if you have two good centre-backs at this tournament, it's worth its weight in gold because most of the attacking players, whilst they're physical and quick, the, the ability, the technical ability and the football understanding isn't there as much. 
Um, in that first game, Papua New Guinea could have easily got a draw. They don't have much of an attacking threat, and Winston Reid did play for New Zealand, uh, which made it just easy. Yeah. Um, but that, I, that's the closest. In my opinion, I've, I then watched, obviously, New Zealand 4, Fiji 0. Um, that could have been any score, really. I don't know. I don't know what the actual possession stat was, but it, it felt like at least like seventy five percent. Okay. Um, to New Zealand, it was a battering. And, and to be honest, New Zealand now in the last game, the, the managers already said they're going to basically play their reserves because it doesn't matter um, against New Caledonia. They'll probably still pick up a, a, a win. Caledonia um, already they're already eliminated, right? I think they're so they're, they're going home. Yeah. yeah. So th they were pretty devastated and they kind of underperformed. Okay. Um, but they lost to Fiji in the last minute and then lost to um, lost to Papua New Guinea as well. So they're going home on, on zero points, probably provided they lose to New Zealand. Um, because of New Zealand's goal difference being plus five, they're going to come top of the group. Even if Papua yeah. New Guinea win, you know, it's, it's unlikely that they wouldn't come top of the group, even if they lost. Um, but this New Zealand team now with Chris Wood, with, with Reed at the back, they've got a few players that maybe aren't known in the European leagues as much, but there's a defensive midfielder, Clayton Lewis, who's brilliant. Mm. You, you know, they have a couple of players who've joined from the, the League of Ireland as well. I think they came. Have they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I'm pretty sure they do. And, and yeah. you, you know, these are players who are still comfortably better than 99% of the players for the other teams. And, yeah. you, you know... The best player, that Alwyn Comelon player that I was speaking about for, yeah. for Papua New Guinea, their best player, if I had to sort of map him to a level in the English football pyramid, he'd probably be a good League One player. Okay. And and that just sort of compares, you know, so he's a good player. He could, you know, could be a professional yeah, player, yeah. but there's still a big difference between that and the players that New Zealand are rocking up with. Yeah, like you know? New Zealand's probably like lowest starting player would be at that relatively that level, right? And as an average, they're at that level, right? Yeah. I, 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 they would for me if new zealand national team played in the championship they would probably come low mid table mm -hmm. um which is you know not a, not a bad feat yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've, they've got a few players. i mean winston reed is still a, just an, it's, it's these awesome, games yeah. he doesn't get out of second gear it's just it's yeah, so yeah. easy for him um but across the board now they've got a, they've got a lot of just good players I think mm -hmm. that they will win this tournament and then they get to the interconfederational playoff. And that's kind of where I'm just not sure if they can then get past that next stage. I, I always get confused. Which continent are they playing? Is it is it they're playing against North America, right? I think this time. Yeah, so this time around. So this is the last World Cup where it will quite work like this because next World Cup's the 48-team World Cup. But for this one, they've been paired against. So you get Asia, South America, North America, and Oceania all have yeah. a point five at the end of their places. Yeah. Um, but they've been drawn against what will be the fourth place CONCACAF team, which is looking likely to be Panama. Yeah. Um, who well, they definitely will... much prefer that because then Chile they got last time, right? Which was yeah, uh, yeah, a bit yeah. of a mismatch. Everyone wants to avoid the South American team, which I think yeah. could still be Uruguay um, this time <laughs> around um, yeah. because there's some teams that have done really, really well. So, I, I mean, every, as long as you avoid South America, you're in <laughs> Then you're happy, um, yeah. So I think it's Austra I think Australia would have been the Asian team. I think. Oh, okay. I don't think that's final yet, but I think that uh, it's likely to be Australia. So you kind of see, you know, you'll have you know potentially a Chile or a Uruguay or something like that, and then the other three teams being potentially Panama, Australia, New Zealand. You can see the difference yeah. there. What do you think about the kind of de debate around you know New Zealand playing in this tournament, where you know people will say they're far too good for this, or like I mean, like Australia said in, mm. in the early two thousands that they should play that, and then they 
went to play in the Asian continent. Do you do you think there is? But I mean, also, I guess in the future, having a one guaranteed spot from the in the region will actually mm. be in be in uh, New Zealand's favour. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think for New Zealand, it's a it's a difficult one because these games. They're an interesting challenge. They have international friendlies against sides. Well, I think they've played Qatar semi-recently, you know, Curaçao, sides that are a, a decent level from all around the world. Mm. Um, and then they have this tournament. And then these are the World Cup qualifiers and these are the easiest games that New Zealand play. Yeah. So it is, it's a strange kind of dynamic. But like I say, for the next set of World Cups, there'll be 1.5 places available to this region, mm-hmm. which means that New Zealand will be in. And then... Which I sort of get, and you look at it and you think, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then New Zealand, it'll be interesting to see in the future, and I don't know if it'll happen, but with the expansion of the World Cup and then that region getting 1.5 places, is it too easy for New Zealand to get into the World Cup? And I, I think that's the question. Probably, I mean, if it feels like it would be almost a guaranteed every time. Yeah, you know, you play five games and you're in the World Cup because yeah. you're New Zealand and you're playing against like Tonga and American Samoa, you know, so it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and you think, but do they then move to Asia? Because is yeah, that fair? Or, but I mean, or then do it also, Australia come back? Yeah. yeah. So think, it's, but it, it's difficult. But I think also people sometimes don't quite realise like how big these countries are in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we had, um, we spoke to uh, Paul Watson who wrote a book about coaching football oh, yes. in Pompeii in, in Micronesia. And he said one of the challenges that, I mean, the biggest challenges of the region is, you know, that you have sort of islands which are, you think, okay, well, you can just nip over and play to the next island, but it's actually, you know, like 8,000 yeah. kilometers or something, yeah. you know, between them and stuff. But um, I mean, traditionally, what I thought is the Solomon Islands have been New Zealand's biggest uh, challenge in the region. I know they they took them to penalties in the in mm-hmm. a few years ago. Was that right? Was that a was that continental um, tournament? Yeah, they've, they've had lots of like small. The, the two biggest challenges for for New Zealand are, tend to be Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands. Um, in various tournaments across the last however long. Um, those are the sides that pose the biggest threat. And when they play kind of intercontinental Pacific games and things like that, mm-hmm. New Zealand normally send their under 23s for those kind of tournaments. Okay. Um, so, it, but it is still a good barometer. They are still the size of the challenge. So the last Pacific games to kind of put it into context, like how much these teams actually challenge. Um, Tonga played the New Zealand under 23s and lost 14 nil. Um, so that kind of puts into perspective the fact that then yeah. if the Solomon Islands are nil nil or two nil, there's there's a huge golfing class there. Yeah, and and I think I think Vanuatu also beat Tonga like eight nil in that tournament. Okay, um, so there's there's big big disparity. Solomon Islands futsal team is a decent futsal team, mm-hmm. um, and and Papua New Guinea have got a few a few decent players, but there are there's there's still there's no team that across the board is good. Yeah, you know, and we'll compete with every player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen those. I mean, I don't know if you've already seen that. You know, those amazing pictures of like sort of football on the Solomon Islands, and you think, okay, like the Pacific, it's a rugby place, but I mean, there's mm. like these huge like grass banks with loads of people there. So it kind of does. I mean, there is, you know, the opportunity for football development there. It's just got to take time. And I guess, I mean, maybe with 1.5 World Cup qualifiers from the region, that will kind of give more of a boost to like the rest of the that is not New Zealand right that they have something they can actually kind of work towards yeah I was speaking to a guy from the OFC that's in charge of club development um and, and things like that right across the region 
Um, and he was saying that already following the announcement, there'd be 1.5 places. Teams are starting to sort of buck up their ideas a little bit. You, you know, mm-hmm. teams are starting to think, OK, let's build proper stadiums. Let's get proper infrastructure, grassroots teams all the way up. Because, you know, OK, maybe not maybe not at the next World Cup, which is only four years away, but yeah. perhaps the one after. You're giving Ten yourself... Years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're giving yourself that huge, huge period of time, whether it's kind of 8, 10, 12 years to embed. You know, if you've got players now that are like under nines, under tens, for those next World Cup, they, they'll be eligible to play, but you need to kind of start at that level. And also one thing they need to improve upon and the kind of main barometer really in between World Cup qualifiers is the winner of the OFC like Champions League so the mm-hmm. Champions League of that region, does go to the Club World Cup, but in like yeah. a preliminary round. So they okay. don't kind of ever get to that kind of finals that like the teams like the Liverpools and, and things like that get mm-hmm. to. The big barometer will be if one of them can kind of beat like the Middle East and Champions League like yeah. winners and things like that. If one of them can kind of get at least past the first few kind of preliminary rounds mm-hmm. through to getting close to that main Champions League, then maybe we'll see, okay, the club football's stepping up and maybe the international team as well, because that's got to be the foundation. I think with this region, more than any other, they have real limited ability to get players from Europe, get players from abroad. You know, we see in the Caribbean, so many players now are actually based in Holland or France or England. You know, the Haiti team all play pretty much in the French second division. Well, you know, the Cook Islands, they don't have that. You know, yeah. the Solomon Islands don't have that. They play in their own leagues predominantly. So the, the real challenge for them is it needs a whole big infrastructure boost. It needs a 10-year program. And then maybe one of these sides at the 2030 World Cup might pose mm-hmm. a serious threat to someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back to this tournament, I mean, so the final is next Wednesday mm-hmm. and presuming it's New Zealand and another who are you looking who you think it's likely it's going to be and do you think there's any I mean what percentage of chance of an upset do you think there will be I think that the side that would cause them the biggest trouble is Papua New Guinea Mm -hmm. Um, it's the toughest thing about calling this is that New Zealand are the only team in the final if Papua New Guinea Papua New Guinea could lose to Fiji if they get it wrong tactically. They played a high line against New Caledonia and they got lucky with a few slightly dodgy offside calls. Fiji have probably the quickest striker I've ever seen in the flesh. (laughs) If they get the offside trap wrong, they could, and and Krishna's a good player, if they somehow lose to Fiji, then then I think it's just going to be so easy for New Zealand because Papua New Guinea's defensive solidity is kind of what, what kept New Zealand at bay. Yeah, the Solomon Islands, I don't think, could pose too much of a threat to New Zealand. I think it would be an entertaining game, but I think New Zealand would win it. But the biggest kind of question mark for me is, understandably, what on earth are Tahiti going to bring to this tournament? They've not yeah. played a game yet. <laughs> they get through to at least the semis. They could be yeah. amazing. I, I, I doubt I it, know. but they could be. But if I had to kind of put my neck on the line and pick a team, I would say the biggest threat to New Zealand would have to be Papua New Guinea at this point. I hope, I hope if, um, I mean, I have fond memories of Tahiti from that Confederations yeah, Cup yeah. tournament that was how many years ago it was against uh, Spain. I but was, I remember that they, yeah. they scored, uh, I think, against Nigeria. And I think it was like 6-0 at the time. They made it 6-1 and they all brought, all brought out the, the canoe celebration. It was, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, 2013, I think that was, um, which is, you know, again, mad nine years ago now. Um, So a very different looking squad from them. But I don't know. I I think I'd be surprised if the Solomon Islands didn't beat Tahiti um, Mm -hmm. in this game. And then you'll be looking at Tahiti, New Zealand semi-final, um, which New Zealand would probably win. And then the other one being Solomon, potentially Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, which I think would then potentially be, you know, really kind of kind of the game of the tournament because the New Zealand games, certainly from our point of view um, and our coverage, the New Zealand games are the games that people care about the least um, okay. because they just know that New Zealand are yeah, going to win it. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, so I don't think they even really gear up. I mean, Chris Wood's just broken the all-time New Zealand scoring record. Um, with like 32 goals or something. But I've seen it from his stats that he scored eight of those against the Solomon Islands. So, okay. again, it's, it does skew it a little bit, doesn't it? So but maybe he's hoping that they reach the, the final. Probably, yeah, he could get <laughs> double figures against them. But, I mean, it's if if a team were to were to cause them an upset, it would have to be it would have to be Papua New Guinea and it would have to be just a nil-nil and see how far you can hold them. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Are you are you sticking around until the the final next week, or are you heading back? Uh, tomorrow is actually my last day, so my I get to see day. the rest of the group games, and then I'm and then I'm back. So I'll be watching the okay. semi-finals and the finals from oh, okay. from the sunny climes of the United Kingdom. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so who, but, uh, but yeah, who have you enjoyed? Um, I mean, just around the tournament there. Who is it from the teams? Have you been able to speak to anybody in particular? You've kind of enjoyed speaking to and. Uh... You know, they're just telling their stories around their football story. Yeah, I mean, uh, before the before the tournament, we managed to get a few like quite cool interviews in. Um, one of them was Alwyn Comalong, who's you know, it's a really fascinating story for him coming from from Germany. But but also Timo Jankowski is, is another one as well, which is a name that most people won't kind of recognise potentially unless you're from kind of Switzerland or Germany. Um, so he's he's the technical director for Fiji. So it's not the manager, it's the technical director looking at kind of the next generation of, of talent in Fiji and things like that. Um, and he came on our show to kind of just talk about his project. He used to be assistant manager of Grasshopper Zurich in the mm-hmm. in the Swiss League. And yeah. he's had various roles at various different clubs as well. And then he's taken on this kind of five-year project now in Fiji um, to try to basically try and get them to the 2026 World Cup or get them as close as possible. And hearing his story, and, and so we've been quite close with like the Fiji camp um, mm-hmm. and, and speaking to them about, you know, their squad. And, and, and it's difficult because they've got Krishna, who's the best player by a mile. And how do you use him in the team? Because he doesn't yeah. touch the ball much. Um, but but I think it's been amazing for them. If, if anyone gets the chance to kind of watch their pre-match rituals and if there's any footage or any content that comes out from their dressing rooms or, or anything like that, the togetherness of this side is, is crazy. And, and they are probably the story. There was a guy... Nabil Beg, who whilst he was out here in Doha turned 18. And it's just like, what an experience for these players that have never left the islands. Yeah. Which I know is the same for every team, but I just I feel like we've probably been closest to Fiji and their kind of story. Um, obviously, you know, primarily a rugby nation, but really yeah. trying to that their, you know, actual domestic league out there is big. It's a big league in the region. They they're kind of football mad. And just like hearing about and learning about. The, the kind of culture and everything that's different and the kind of the ability that they've got physically is, is amazing. Um, you, you know, they're all tall, powerful, quick, strong. Yeah. And if they do manage to get that, that kind of technical ability side, a little bit of that European kind of composure, um, 
and just added that in. I think that they will be that they'll be a side to watch in the future. But but they've been an entertaining side to watch throughout this tournament as well. Oh, cool. Well, I'll I'll be tuning in for their game against Papua New Guinea tomorrow. I'm hoping hoping they head on. Thank you so much, Tom, for uh, joining me on the podcast. Where can um, people go to find out more? As I well. Yeah, the number the number one place for us is on YouTube. So that's uh, that's just DNQ Football on YouTube. We have got um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff as well to kind yeah. of get the name out. But but YouTube's the number one place. We got some really cool interviews coming up um, with, with loads of people actually. Um, so the, the, the tournament's kind of coming on from this. We've got the Afcon qualifiers which are taking place today, and they're going ahead. Yeah. Then you've got the Concacaf Nations League as well. So loads of interviews from loads of players from those regions. Uh, which is which is going to be awesome. Can't wait to get into it. But yeah, thanks for having thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been really good fun, and um, and yeah, all the best for the future, mate. All right, cheers, Tom. Have a good evening and enjoy the uh, the rest of your time in Doha. Thanks, mate. Speak soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Podcast Network.